me say good morning to you. Um, I'm watching you, and I'm going to need a little bit of your interaction today because this word is going to have to take, like, all of you. Can you say all of you? Like, <laughs> what I'm going to teach today, a lot of people are saying, like, where's the Christmas sermon? It's going to be a Christmas sermon, but it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, I'm really honestly believing that the Holy Spirit is leading me in the right direction. I've checked with Pastor Martin, and uh, I think I'm in right alignment. So um, if you're ready for the word, clap once. Here we go. Let's jump in. So in Galatians 5, and 23, um, we get this understanding of the fruits of the Spirit, right? So many times in the word, um, God is so, like, infatuated with things producing after themselves. So even to the point of where when he saw a tree that wasn't bearing fruit, what did he do? He cursed it. Like, like he killed it. Because if it's not bearing fruit, then it's like, why is it alive? And so many times in our kingdom walk and in our kingdom faith and in Christianity, we think that going to church, paying our tithes, and being nice to people is actually the fruit of the Spirit. But it's not. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So fruit is evidence that the tree is alive. So if we are being mature Christians... Mature Christians. I'm not talking about the person that goes to church every once in a while. Like, I'm not talking about your physical walk. I'm physical walk. I'm talking about your spiritual walk. Like, actually having a relationship with him. If you are a mature Christian, there should be evidence of love in your life. It should be fruit. It should be juicy. It should be ripe. And you should be able to share it. There should be peace. There should be joy. There should be kindness. There should be goodness. There should be faithfulness. There should be gentleness and self-control. But it's really interesting because there's one in there that we don't talk about. And I think that since we as Christians are so smart that we believe that since forgiveness isn't in there, then we can still have a spiritual walk with unforgiveness. This is a Christmas sermon. Don't tune out. Like, don't tune out. Like, whoever is in charge of the remote, like, grab it, take the batteries out, and swallow them. Like, you can't turn away from what's going to happen today because I think that the Holy Spirit really wants the Christmas table this year to actually be a place of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Not poison underneath the table. Not everybody, let me show you how much I love you by buying you a good gift, but I can't sit down and talk to you and, about what actually happened this year, right? So I think that the best gift that we can give each other for Christmas, because in our house, we're not giving gifts, and you know that people are going to do what they need to do, right? They're going to be like, I ain't did no gift, but I got you something small. Like, then you feel guilty, right? But the one thing that you can give in your faith that comes without guilt is the gift of forgiveness, So I absolutely love ending series. We've been in this series for about two months. And let me tell you, this has been the most fun. Because sometimes when you get to a new month, you, like, stop what God is doing to, like, teach a new subject. But I think that God really wants our families to be free. And what better time for us to be together than the moment that we're in, right? So let, let, can we talk about it? Okay. Here we go. So my question is this. What if we actually took care of the issues with our families and gave the gift of reconciliation this Christmas? The gift of reconciliation. It's the gift that keeps on giving. It's the gift that, that gives back. It's the gift. It's the gift. Forgiveness is a gift that when you, when, you, when you give it to someone, you can't give forgiveness if you're looking for anything to be reciprocated. Forgiveness is selfless. For, forgiveness is kind. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a gift. It's a skill, which means that if you don't practice forgiveness, you're going to suck at it. So when people say, like, oh, you know, it's really hard for me to get over things, that's because you choose not to, not because you don't have the ability to. So let's talk about it. So I want you to scream it at me. What does 
true freedom in family look like? What, what does true freedom look like in your family? Freedom is easily letting your guard down when you're with your people. Freedom is not holding your people around you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your employees to unrealistic expectations that you know that they're going to fail to fuel your reason to not forgive them. Number three, right? For, 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 uh, freedom is giving people the opportunity to actually feel. So many times when we get hurt, when we get offended, it's, 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 it seems like when somebody says sorry, they can almost weaponize it to be like a club. So now something that's supposed to be sweet, something that's supposed to be God-bearing now comes with fear. And you can literally be walking in your house with the loved ones that, that you love, tiptoeing, trying to make it to the bathroom, hoping that you don't run into your mom. Hoping that you don't run into your son or your husband. Like, I don't want, I want to make sure, even though we live here, I'm trying to make sure I can do anything and everything I can to make sure that we don't run into each other. But then what happens is, is that things like Thanksgiving comes. Christmas comes. Birthdays come. Meemaw's anniversary comes. And now all of the conversations that we did not have from January to December, the family will be held hostage in awkwardness, but we'll talk about how good the macaroni and cheese is. What if this year... You didn't have any time to talk about how good the food was, but you started to talk about how good the conversation was. What'd you eat? Well, the food was good, but me and my dad actually got it together this, this, this year. Like, my mother actually, like, hugged my children and kissed them and called her, called them her children. Like, like if, if, if we're going to be in the kingdom, if we're going to be walking in spiritual faith, that means that we got to talk about the stuff that, that, that not many people want to talk about. Because we talk about why forgiveness is important. We tell people when to forgive and who to forgive. But what I'm hoping through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the word is that today we can take away every single person's excuse so that we can teach you how to forgive. Write this down. The best gift that you could give your family this year is forgiveness. It's the best thing that you could do. Because to leave out of 2020 with stuff that happened in 2020, you're literally taking a corpse from one year to the next. And God doesn't want that for us. Amen? So many of us are going to sing carols and songs that don't actually exist in the crib. We're going to sing songs like Peace on Earth. And it, there ain't no peace in the house. You know how it says silent night? It's going to be a chaotic night at some people's house. Right? And sometimes it's chaotic because you got a whole bunch of, like, kids running around. But the thing is, is, like, you are, we're not going to have all of those distractions of other people in our homes. You're literally going to be sitting with the people that you live with. No friends. Some of you, no family. It's going to be your four and no more. So you're literally going to be sitting, looking at people and trying to love on them, but only seeing the places in their heart where they are holding a grudge against you. Look at your neighbor and say, God demands freedom. So um, sometimes, well, in the past, our family, we used to go to people's houses for Christmas. And I don't know about you guys, but I can't stand it when people, like, experiment with foods that they've been doing. Like, it tasted one way for New Year's. It tasted, it tasted real good New Year's. It tasted really good for my birthday in February. It tasted awesome in Thanksgiving. But Christmas, I want to try something different. Why? The mac and cheese hits every other time. And the one time that you change something up, you use sweetened condensed milk rather than evaporated milk. And instead of eating a pound cake, we're eating a custard. What were, what were you thinking? But sometimes we'll go to people's houses. And um, uh, it, uh, How many of you guys have ever been like to Hobby Lobby or to Target? Uh, sometimes you buy these things called clocks, right? And you put them up on the wall. 
and they're pretty, but they don't work. So you buy it as decorative. And uh, I don't know about you, but even if there's a clock around, I pick up my phone. I, 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 I don't look. But isn't it interesting that if you have one of those clocks in your house, how many times do you walk past it and it looks pretty, but it has no function? Besides being pretty on the wall, it has no function. All you would have to do is take the clock off of the wall, put batteries in it, and set the time. But sometimes we can think that the work of fixing an issue isn't as fun as just walking past it. So in our families, we know that it's very simple. The Word of God says just forgive. That's simple, right? It's simple, but the work of actually taking your family off of the wall, taking the batteries out, rechanging the batteries, recalibrating the time, making sure that it's level, that can become scary. But the problem is, is that anytime that you feel fear when it comes to unforgiveness, it's not God. It's impossible for us to believe that, that, that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nowhere in there is there the fear of forgiveness. So anytime that we feel in our hearts that it's hard to have that hard conversation, when it's hard to actually reconcile, when it's hard to literally, you know, get the boldness to say, like, hey, you know what? I messed up, even if it's 10, 15 years ago. The reason why it's so tough is because the enemy understands something. If I can get this family, if I can get this individual, if I can get you to stop communicating with people, I don't have to kill you. You'll do it yourself. The enemy is not omnipotent. I feel the Holy Spirit on this thing. The, 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 the devil, Satan, is not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. He cannot be everywhere at all times. He can't speak to all people at all times. So sometimes what we think is the enemy is actually a perpetual issue with us that we don't want to get over. The enemy is causing my sister to hate me. No, you haven't forgiven her. My father hates me. No, you never apologized for what you said to him when you were 18 when you stormed out of the house. So it becomes this thing where we can begin to weaponize something that God wants us to use as a skill and not as a weapon. So today I'm hoping that through the word of God we can dismantle this thing so that when you sit at the Christmas table this year, what if the conversation, what if the freedom that your family has been looking for started with your I'm sorry? What if your mother and your father's health was connected to, hey, you know what? I, I messed up. I, I really messed up. Don't beat me over the head. This is really hard for me to do, but, 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 I'm, but I'm sorry. If we believe, and, and uh, my wife uh, is, is, a, uh, is a PA, a physician's assistant, not a nurse. It's a thing, right? We talk about it often. She works at Children's, and she has told me multiple times that when they're in the hospital, that when babies are born premature, if there's any health defect, that the best medicine is when the parents take off their clothing, they put the child on their bare skin, and the child literally feels that healing is important, not just to them, but to the person they're connected to. Maybe one of the reasons why this year hasn't been so bad wasn't COVID, because people in our church are winning. They're winning. AWC, y'all going crazy. Businesses being open, like, like some of y'all got furloughed and you were like, bump this. I might as well just do what I do 100%, making masks, cutting grass, doing all this other stuff. You're hiring other people in the house, but then you're going to your home and there's no peace. So maybe the problem isn't COVID, but maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had. Here we go. Here we go. It's not forgiving that is hard. It's living the life that is adverse to the one you were living before. Forgiveness isn't difficult, but changing your mindset towards somebody that you've been upset for for years, that takes work. 
we're going to do the work this year. And I'm praying that after this sermon, you are held hostage by the Holy Spirit and you have the conversations. Because look at your neighbor. Say, we deserve to live free. Like, we, de we deserve to go on vacations. We shouldn't have to question going to Disneyland because mom didn't say something to her sister. And, like, this person didn't say this to them. Like, like are you kidding me? I'm wasting a wedding and you can't come to the wedding because y'all got an issue? So then we start holding our families hostage for conversations that should have happened that are not going to be carried by the Holy Spirit. You can't do it when the, when the spirit is high because that's not real. You got to sit down in your own strength and say, you know what? I screwed up. These were my expectations that you missed. How do we work this out? Because if it didn't bother you, you wouldn't talk about them all the time. If you didn't care, if you didn't care about Spooky Nim and Auntie and all of them, you wouldn't bring them up every opportunity that you with your girlfriends. I can't stand John. I can't stand Mark. I thought, well, I don't care. I don't need the relationship with them. This is all we talk about. And now that we're in COVID, this is all we talk about. Come on, somebody type in the chat. Let's get free. Let's do it. Let's get free. Let's get free. Let's get free. So let's talk about the purpose of forgiveness. Um, forgiveness defined, right? L let's define it. And this is the definition that I came up. Forgiveness is the godly practice of releasing others from the responsibility of making me feel good. Forgiveness is when if you hurt my feelings or if you hurt my feelings, forgiveness doesn't happen when I'm with you physically. Forgiveness happens the minute that it happens. I make a decision. I'm not going to allow what just happened, this incident and this event to rule over me. So God, I forgive them. But what we do not teach is what forgiveness is not. Even though you forgive someone, forgiveness is not an excuse of the wrongdoing. When you forgive someone after they slap you, the forgiveness is for you. It doesn't mean that they were right in doing what they did. The decision not to excuse, but, but no longer be emotionally controlled by the incident. Forgiveness is also not blind trust. Once you forgive someone, you don't jump back into the relationship at the same level before your trust was broken. So we have people that will go and forgive someone, jump into relationship with them, and then blame the church of misinformation. No, the word of God says forgive and then be reconciled. Reconciliation only happens if the two parties mutually agree that relationship is what they want to do. If there's no need for the relationship, it's not kingdom for you to be in relationship with people that are toxic. But it is your responsibility to forgive them when they hurt you. Trust is lost in buckets and gained in drops. Pastor Michael Todd has said that. Pastor Martin has said, though, trust takes time and forgiveness takes a choice. Trust takes time. Pastor Martin taught a message a couple, uh, a couple years ago where he, a, a, a man in the service asked a question, a very deep question in regards to he had stepped out on his wife. And dad said, uh, she, the man was like, she kicked me out of the house and, you know, she moved. And the first thing that came out of dad's mouth was, well, pitch a tent. And the man said, where? He said, on the lawn. He said, well, what if she calls the police? Pitch a tent on the opposite side of the street. Well, well, what if she doesn't let me see the kids? He says, you are bound to this woman. And if you desire her, the trust that you lost is going to take time. But if she loves you, she's already forgiven you. Man, this is so good. Write these down. Forgiveness is not a weapon. Sometimes we hold people hostage by not forgiving them because we think that it's causing them turmoil. You ever met somebody that gains energy from negative? 
I can't forgive her. I can't forgive him. Do you know what they did to me? Yes, sis, we know. It was in 97. We know, we know. Well, until she does this, I'm not going to do that. Thinking that we can use unforgiveness as a club beating the person over the head. But actually, we're literally hanging ourselves. Forgiveness isn't collateral. You don't get to say, I'll forgive you for this if you don't do that. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is something that comes without fault. What that means is that it has no strings tied to it. You forgive because, period. Forgiveness is not for the person. It's for who? You. So I got a couple questions that I want you to ask. You're not here in the church service, so if you look at your husband crazy, we can't see it. You know, people do that stuff in church, and Pastor Martin does it all the time. Look straight. He'll ask a question. Like, don't look at the person to your left or your right. To your right. And why is we looking at the husband? like, mm, sounds familiar, don't it? Right? Like, you, you can do that at the crib. So I really want you to, like, apply these questions. Here it is. Question number one is what hurt you? Have you, like, you know what it was. Well, they didn't tell me, blah, 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 blah. No, you're hurt, not because of what they said. You're hurt because you didn't feel comfortable enough telling them the truth. Well, she, she yelled at me. She slapped me at the dinner table. Yeah, that might be true, and you forgive her, but she would have never slapped you if you would have been honest with her two years before. Second question is, what conversations do you need to have? You know what they are because every time, I do not believe that if we want to be doing family correctly, we're talking about your people, Christmas is coming. As soon as you cross over the threshold in the house, you're going to see him or her. And if you are a faith believer in God, in Christ, and a kingdom citizen, that conversation that you need to have is going to start bubbling up. But we get really good as Christians suppressing the conversation that needs to happen. The I'm sorry, the I couldn't believe I said that. I didn't mean to say that. So then we will start talking about stuff that doesn't matter like football. And girl, you killed this dressing. Oh, my God. And the, uh, how, how many of you guys have kids? So me and Callie are a little bit different. If I do something wrong, I'm really quick to like say, like, hey, you know what? What I did was wrong. I go through like this entire litany of things. Because for me, when unforgiveness is in my heart, it literally manifests as sickness. Like it manifests as like I can't sleep, I can't eat. Like I know I did that person wrong. So like, hey, I need you to forgive me so that I can be good. Callie's a little bit different. Callie will say those words at times, but Callie was the type, like, hey, you want to go to McDonald's? Right? Then when we get to McDonald's outside of the place where she thinks that there are ears, then the conversation happens. So it's not an excuse, but sometimes we do that in family. Instead of saying sorry, we, we buy them a big Christmas gift. Now, does the Christmas gift lead to them coming to the house so you can talk? That's why I love my sister, because she's like, hey, do you want to go get coffee? And because we have a relationship, I know that the coffee is going to lead to reconciliation every time. It might not happen when it happens. But we need to start creating boundaries and expectations for forgiveness with our families. That's the how. That's the how. You're not always going to hear the litany of things that you want to hear prolifically. I'm, all of us are literature majors. All of us are playwrights when we want to, because we want to, we'll literally write out the script of how the sorry should sound. Joshua, I'm sorry for what I said, and the way that I said it made you feel this way, and I can't believe that that happened. You know what? I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. So then when the person is truly sincere, truly sincere, zoom in, truly sincere, and this is all you get, I'm sorry. I don't think it's real. I don't think it's real because she didn't say this, that, and the other. But the funny thing about forgiveness is that God doesn't really care about what you say when you repent. He's more worried about your heart posture. 
What if we were actually able to take an x-ray and open up our family's chest and see how broken they are? What if the person screaming at you that you can't forgive on the inside, their heart is actually reaching to reach yours? Let's talk about it. Third question. First question is, what hurt you? Second question is, what conversations do you need to have? Third question is, who or what event are you holding on to? Because 2021 is not your year. Every year is God's year. He just gives us a place in it. I can't stand that. It's my year. No, it's not. That's why you keep thinking, this year wasn't my year. It never was. But if we carry conversations that are dead in this year into the next one, they will never be healing. So here we go. Let's go to Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I'm going to read some scripture today, and we're going to deal with it because the word of God is absolutely perfect. So I want you to hear the word of God regarding those three questions. And let's, can, we just, can we just write it in the chat? Can you just say, I desire freedom? Like, like can we just like make... Why don't we just make the decision and make the choice that today is the most bound I will be by unforgiveness? Let's just make the decision. Like, you, you, it's, it's, just, it's crazy how, like, things can happen before you have children, and now the, the, your niece and your nephew is 16 or 15, and you don't even know their favorite color because you don't feel comfortable going to the house. Like, let's just make the decision to do it right. Come on, somebody write it out. Like, like I'm making the decision to be free. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. At this point in time, Jesus is with he's with the disciples and Jesus has this conversation with Peter. James was like his favorite, but Peter is the one that he gave his church, right? James he gives his family, Peter he builds the church on. But there are multiple times when we watch in the Bible where uh, Jesus is literally practicing forgiveness as he's teaching it. So what I'm hoping is that through the word I can share with you a scripture that you probably haven't read in this manner before. You ready? Here we go. Matthew 18, 21. So it says, then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked what? Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Isn't it interesting that Peter said someone who sins against me? Almost to say that the only time that you should forgive people is when something's done to you. Sometimes we have to forgive people that are not the wiser. When somebody cuts you off on the street, you should forgive that person. They don't know what they did. And he says seven times. God, Jesus says, doesn't even waste any time. No, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. The title of my sermon today is 490. That's 70 times seven. So let's just make an assumption. 70 times seven is 490. But in your life, you're probably, could you put the number please uh, back up? You're, you're, you're probably going to apologize and ask for forgiveness and forgive somebody more, more than this. In a, in a year, in a month. Like, so I think that Jesus is so interesting because we reach, we, we, we reach so many conclusions in the word because Christians were so smart. So there's probably somebody in their Christian faith that's been counting all of their sorries and counting all of their forgiveness since they were like three. And then as soon as they got to 490, like, ah, I'm done. Oh, that's it. But I think the reason why he gave us that number wasn't for us to actually, it, it wasn't for us to, to keep count, but it was for us to lose track of how many times we're giving people the pardon. 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. 
In the process, one of the debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, which means that the king had grace enough to give it to him first. When we read this scripture, we think that the king is a tyrant, but you forgot he actually lended him the money. He couldn't pay, the servant couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before what? His master and did what? Begged him, saying, please be patient with me. It is impossible to be forgiving without patience. Because 99.99% of the time, the I'm sorry will not come when you want it. And the conversation that you need to have to ask for forgiveness will never be in an opportune time. There won't be any bells. There won't be any doves. There won't be a hallelujah choir. It might look really ugly. So if we keep waiting for this perfect opportunity, we will go to our graves concealing things that shouldn't be talked about. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Somebody say release the debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. A man that has just left out of the king's presence for millions of dollars cannot bystand a couple thousand. This man was literally about to have his whole life sold away. And he goes and yokes up somebody for a couple, like a couple stacks. Hope it's ringing true for somebody this morning. So listen to what happens because it's foresight. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. What does his servant say? Be patient with me and I will pay it. He pleaded, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until when? The debt could be paid in full. Verse 31. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Underline verse 32. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said what? You evil servant. I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have, on your, have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. What if the torment in your life wasn't the enemy, but it was unforgiveness? What if the awkwardness at the, at the table, what if the awkwardness that you see, the, what, you feel weird around your people, wasn't the enemy? Because we give him too much credit for things that he doesn't have the power to do. If you're a kingdom citizen, if you can believe whatever I loose on earth is loose in heaven and bound and whatnot, you really don't think that you have control over the enemy? Let's just assume we have control over the enemy. Unforgiveness in our heart takes root, and then it starts to distort our lens. Unforgiveness will cause us to see people through a lens of what they did to us and not the lens that God created them in. So you will forget that while you're yelling at your brother or your sister or your, aunt or your uncle, you'll forget that they are your brother. Like, like, 
Let's be honest. And I, I know I'm right because y'all going crazy over here, right? You'll be arguing with the head mother in your house and forget that she's your mom's. You will be yelling at your children and forget that they gave you the grandchildren that you so love. Write this down. Unforgiveness distorts always. Always. So let's go back to verse 35. It says, that's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. A lot of people will think that the theory is that God is going to, uh, you know, throw us in a dungeon and torture us. But he's not a punisher. But he will leave you to your lonesome. God cannot work against his own principle. So if we're talking about the fruits of the spirit being love, joy, peace, for forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you can't be gentle and unforgiving at the same time. You can't have joy and be unforgiving. You can't be peaceful and be unforgiving. You can't have self-control and be unforgiving because forgiveness is the most selfish thing that you will do with your life. Because when we don't forgive, Pastor, we're literally telling our bodies that we are making room for the anxiety. We're literally telling ourselves, that I'm going to make room for this depression. I'm going to make room for this awkwardness. I, when you tell yourself you're not going to forgive, when I do it, I'm basically telling myself that I'm willing to miss this many birthdays. How you treated me and how I feel is more important than me being there to celebrate your day of birth. But what if this Christmas we had the conversations and we could really have a loving time together? Remember, we talked about the why and the what. Let's talk about the how. Somebody say how. Here we go. Number one is that we have to assume offense. The word of God says that it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. Somebody type it out. Like, it is impossible to live life without offenses. To live in your life and to think that every single person is going to treat you how you think you deserve to be treated, treated is insane. To think that you can be in life with your loudmouth sisters or your, your, your tight-lipped brothers or, or your, your, your father that doesn't give any compliments or your mom that never says thank you. For you to believe that you can live your entire life without anybody rubbing you the wrong way or giving you a little bit of a tood, is, it's, it's ridiculous. It's insane. But we will walk around in insanity and literally begin to feed it and use it as an excuse not to have a conversation. When you assume the offense, when it happens, it's easier to swallow. Because then when it shows up, you're able to say, oh, I knew this was going to come. I, I knew this was going to happen. I knew that when my family received um, um, financial freedom, they were going to talk about us. I knew that once I got married and did it right and had the babies, that they were all going to talk about me. But what if you were able to use that unforgiveness and turn it into fuel to lead your people back to faith? I forgive you for how you fell, but let me show you how you can have it in your life too. Point number two of how we do it is that we have to create a plan for forgiveness. Let's talk about it. So remember how I was talking about Peter, uh, Peter and Jesus? Uh, in Matthew, that parable, um, Jesus and Peter are sitting at a table. Like, they're having breakfast. After they got done fishing, Peter is sitting with Jesus. Peter looks at Jesus and he says, hey, how many times should I forgive someone? Jesus tells him the parable. Um, my, number two, my number two point is to create a plan for forgiveness. 
Isn't it interesting? Do you guys remember how Peter ends up denying Jesus three times when they get to Calvary? Do you remember that? Jesus talks to Peter, and he said, okay, let's just not, let's not paraphrase. Let's just read it, right? So Luke twenty two thirty one through 34. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Underline verse 32. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus has not even told Peter what's about to happen, but he's already created a plan to forgive him when it happens. If we begin to presume that things are going to hurt us or things are going to break our heart, but then we don't change our heart posture towards the person, when the incident happens, we won't feel as hurt because we know that it's just the trick of the enemy to take us off path and to, and, and to not, not move forward. Because when we live with unforgiveness in our heart, we literally put a pause on our projection. We put a pause on our growth. We put a pause on telling God, you can't use me because of this part of my life that I don't want to get rid of. So number two, create a plan of, of, of forgiveness. Verse 33, Luke twenty two thirty three. 33. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. Verse 34, but Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, what? You will deny three times that you even know me. What does that look like practically? We have this concept here at AWC. You'll hear it during family series. You'll hear it during finances. You'll hear it during like our spiritual sermons and things like that. But there's, the, there's this concept of creating the rules of engagement before the fight actually happens. As families, the one way that we take care of our people is having the conversation like Jesus had with Peter with our people. You want to know what it looks like? Hey, uh, Vanessa, when you say this, this is how it makes me feel. Joshua, when you say this, this is how you make me feel. So when you want something from me and you use those words, the minute I hear that phrase, I shut down. But if we walk into conversations and we use the words that we know will call the person to shut down, that's sin. The rules of engagement are so important. They're so important that God literally took time out of his life to tell the disciples how to communicate with him. If we don't tell people how we like to be spoken to, we can't expect for them to do it correctly. We sit in houses with people that are family members that we've never had the conversation of, I really rather receive a compliment verbally than a gift. We've never said, you know what, honey, the jewelry is really great, but I really love it when you just stand next to me and help me wash the dishes. Your son really doesn't want an Xbox. I bet you he would much rather shoot hoops with you. I bet you. And then after you shoot hoops, go and buy them an Xbox, right? So like, because <laughs> kids always want both. Kids always want both. I bet you, I bet you, going to the fancy restaurant is nice, but how much more love would you be showing your wife if her love language is how much time did you put in if you cook the meal, even if it tastes gross? It's the heart posture of I love you. But when we do not give our friends, our family, our co-workers, our husbands, our wives, our fiancés, our, our sons, our daughters, when we do not give them context of talking to us, it's as if we're speaking two different languages. I don't know about you. Have you guys ever been on vacation somewhere where they don't speak English? It's the most uncomfortable feeling in the world that I'm looking at a person that looks just like me and I cannot get my point across. 
I'm looking for the restroom. Donde es el baño? Like we're in France. They don't speak Spanish. Like, dang, that's the only language I know how to say. So we can literally be sitting at home talking but never communicating. What does it look like to talk? Hey, did you watch the football game? Unimportant. Hey, what did you put in these grits? Unimportant. Girl, you wearing that dress? Unimportant. Man, what, when are you guys going to take care of the cabinets? Unimportant. Communication is, you know what, this Christmas we're going to do a little bit different. Everybody come to my house, I, and this is what the rules are going to be. When you walk into the house, you got to keep your words to yourself. We're going to have a mediator. You can't say this because you get your feelings hurt. You definitely can't say that because this, that, and the other. And we start to set the rules of engagement, and we start to celebrate community more than the communion of eating. They're getting quiet, Darren. Y'all ain't quiet. They quiet in the room, but I, I, I see y'all. I see you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that, even, that, you, uh, that you even know me. The problem with it is that Peter denying Jesus, we've been reading it, that him denying was like he was unaware. Like he didn't know. Right? Had a conversation with Pastor Martin. I called him, I think it was like 11 o'clock p.m. And I was like, you know what, Pastor, I really need you to teach me some things, right? Like, like he teaches me all the time and I'm listening to his sermons, but I always want to make sure that when I'm teaching that it's, doc, like it's doctrine. Because a lot of pastors' theology can jack a lot of people up. And I'm not interested. Well, Pastor Joshua said, and then they on their way to hell because I was ignorant. No, indeed. No, indeed. He's the man of God. I'm just standing in this place. You feel me? All right. So we were having this conversation. And I was like, do you really think that Peter was unaware when he denied Jesus. Like, do you really think Peter, who loved Jesus, Jesus literally knew Peter's story, so he knew that afterwards when he redeemed him and gave him the church, do you really believe that Peter, when he denied Jesus and said, I don't know him, that he was out of his mind? But the way that we watch it, like in our, how many of you guys remember the Christian Bible movies? The Donut Man, McGee and Me. They do this thing like Peter says, I never knew him. Do you know Jesus? No. <laughs> Do you know Jesus? I told you I don't know him. Stop asking me. Then the rooster crows and he goes, oh my God, I've just, I've just done this thing that, that's going to hurt him. But what if Peter was actually in agreement with Jesus? What if Peter and Jesus made a decision that regardless of what you do to me, I'm going to forgive you? What if the reason that Peter, Holy Spirit, you are all over this thing and somebody right now in the chat is getting free, somebody in the room is getting free. What if when Peter was denying Jesus, he understood, I need to play my part so that God gets the glory? Wow. What if your act of agreement with God created freedom for your family? We think that Jesus has foresight and he prophesies, Peter, you're going to tell them that you don't know me. But I think that Jesus, and Pastor Martin shed some light on it, Jesus told Peter, no, Jesus asked him, out of all of my 12, if you break my heart, I have the ability to forgive you. So can you break my heart? Somebody's going to get free today. I really don't care. I really don't care. Peter, did, Peter was aware Peter knew what was at stake, but Peter loved Jesus enough that he was able to put himself in harm's way to have the tough conversation. Think about it. The man, the God, the lamb, the one who's a, who had just died and presents himself back, right? He tells you, hey, can I use you to deny me three times? 
when you deny me, are you going to run and cry? Or are you going to try to explain to everybody that you, it was all a hoax? Because if Peter would have fallen out of line, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus because then they would have known it was a hoax. What if we allowed the people in our families to actually advocate for our freedom? Point number two was create a plan for forgiveness. Number three is that we have to release the debt. Once you forgive someone, once you assume offense, at some point in time in our relationship, Vanessa, we're married. At some point in time, I'm going to get on your nerves. At some point in time, I'm going to say something. It's going to hurt your feelings. Vice versa. If we have an understanding of that, when it happens, we don't have to deal with the issue with our emotions at the time. We can deal with the issue with the emotions that we had on reserve when we had the conversation months ago or before we even decided to get engaged. Another conversation for another day. But if we do not make, uh, but if, if, if we do not make a playlist or if we do not make a playbook, the only resources that we have to pull from in an argument are the feelings in the argument. Every single one of us in our relationships with mom, with dad, with our coworker, whenever things get heated, we should have the understanding to be like, hold up, wait a minute. Remember, we have a plan for this. Hey, your voice is kind of breaking those decibels. Remember what we said before? How many of you guys have ever seen those movies like on ships and stuff and like in case of oxygen, break the glass? So like when you're with your family, like, I can't believe you did that. Oh, wait a minute. I'm raising my voice. One second. Open up the sheet and say, when you raise your voice to Chad, kneel on both knees, ask God for forgiveness. Look at Chad and say, Chad, okay, repeat. I'm sorry for what I said. It hurts your feelings. Will you please release me? Because sometimes we believe that our heart posture has to be theatrical. But sometimes it can be recited. Sometimes you can literally use the word. If we believe that we can use the word of God to ask for a blessing, why can't we use the word of God to fill our mouth with the words we don't have? I don't know how to tell you this. So let's, let, let's go to Mark 16, 17. Because there it says that if I share with you the contents of my heart, that, that I'll be honest. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't have to have the words. The words exist. That's why we have the Bible. The Bible is not just a sword. It's a shield. It's, it's, it's bread to our lives. And sometimes it's the words that you do not have for your family members. Because forgiveness is so tough. You literally, forgiveness is impossible. You are literally telling yourself that I'm going to release this person of a debt that they actually owe me. It'd be like if you owned property and you're supposed to pay $500 in rent if you don't have that rent the next month, what do you say to your landlord? Some of y'all don't, don't say nothing because you know it's, it, it, it was a glitch. Like, I, we ain't saying nothing. <laughs> but what if the landlord actually forgave it because you were on time? When we forgive on time, our people will love us more often. Because the measure of your maturity in faith is based on how quickly you forgive. What if we based people's level of maturity, and there was a number, like, I'm 12 years in, I'm 15 years in, based on how quickly they forgave and how quickly they asked for forgiveness? Being totally honest, being totally honest and vulnerable, my number would not be as strong as you probably think it is. Because even in my own heart, there are conversations that I know I need to have. And my spiritual growth is being stunted by a conversation that I know I need to have, but it's just like, golly. Somebody say release the debt. 
When Jesus died on the cross, he he looked at your debt and threw it away. It is easier for God to forgive us than it is for us to forgive others. Think about it. We've done worse things to God than we've done to people. You shoot and kill somebody, that's murder, right? But you want to know what's worse than murder? Disbelief. You can be forgiven for murder. But there was a time in all of our lives when we didn't even believe God. What does that feel like as a father when somebody doesn't believe in you? But we ask God for forgiveness, and what does he say? You're forgiven. Somebody look at you the wrong way, and you delete their number out your phone. Really? Another level that we can, another way that we can measure, is this good? Another way, y'all getting quiet, but people are like, you asked them three questions, man. I'm trying to figure it out. God, God. We doing brunch at my granny's house, and we got to go over here for late brunch. I got a whole bunch of conversations I need to have. Good. Don't walk out of this year shackled to things that you hold the key to. What if we gauged our spiritual maturity? What if we gauged our spiritual maturity by how quickly we forgave people? What if when we walked into relationships, how smooth he talks? How good she looked was standing behind a number that says, on average, it takes this person two and a half years to let go of issues. The physical relationship's going to be fire. She got bread. He got his hair. But if you ever piss this person off, on average, it's going to take them two and a half years to even get over it. We haven't even started to talk about forgiveness yet. We haven't even started to talk about reconciliation So then what would happen if we literally gauge our spiritual maturity on people's ability to get over themselves and fix the issues that they have with people? Because here's the funny thing. Church has never hurt anyone. Church can't hurt people because our God is holy and he's without sin. So the church is just like him. The church is his bride, which means that in order for him to marry her, which is you and I, not this building, the capital C church, every single church that's meeting right now, all of us are his bride. The only way that we can come into matrimony with Christ when he comes to get us is if we're what? Holy. That's the only way that we're gonna be in relationship with Christ. So why don't we think that it's important for us to be holy with one another? Church doesn't hurt people. People in church hurt people. God has never hurt anyone. He's never hurt anyone. How can we say that he is holy and he is righteous and he's without sin and then say the church hurt me? No, there was a conversation that you did not want to have. And now instead of talking to the person or just ignoring them in the church, you will forfeit the place of grace that caused you to live because of one conversation with one person that might have left as well. I'm never going to that, to that church. Tracy's still there. That was 15 years ago. Did you know that we buried Miss Tracy? Did you know that she passed away? Did you know that she spent Christmas by herself? Did you know that she stopped having the will to do her business and that she died? Like, I'm, 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 that, that's, that's hypothetical, but what, when are we as a church going to get over ourselves, take our unforgiveness, lay it at the altar, and say, you know what, my relationship with you is important, but not as important as being connected to the most important thing in my life. 
I honestly believe that in 2021, one, some of the conversations that we need to be had are people that left AWC. Because as you left, the doors were still open on your way out. Regardless of how you left, regardless of the words that you said, regardless of the words that people said to you, regardless of how they looked at your children, regardless of how people lied on you, regardless of how people said that you were out here sexually doing all these different things. I honestly believe that the doors to the church have always been open, but our, the doors to our hearts have been closed. Get forgiveness. Don't be in a relationship, but we need you. Our children's ministry needs you. Our worship team needs you. Our office needs you. Our pastors need you. And we are going to deny the house of God people that have a skill because you can't stand how somebody looked at you? Are you serious? Are, you, are, we, are we serious? Let's reduce, let's, let's, let's reduce it to the ridiculous, right? If I had to deal with all the people that offended me, I wouldn't be teaching. 30 years of ministry, you don't think that people have literally spat in their face and they had to turn the other cheek? In the word, when it says to turn the other cheek, you, it's not to expect another punch. It's to give that person another opportunity to get it right. If you can punch me and slap me on this side, you know what, God? I love my mother enough. You know what? I'm just going to expect a kiss. You don't come to church because your son was walking down the hallway and the little boy didn't come up and say hi to him that you have relationship with? What if the little boy is autistic? What if the little boy was having a bad day? What if the little boy had an ear infection? And now you are really going to tell me that when you get to heaven and God asks you, because he's going to ask you an account of your life, you left AWC, you left church ABC, you left church XYZ because someone didn't say hi to your son? R really? Re really you left the church because the pastor talks about finances well they always want my money you cannot tell me that giving and tithing does not yield a reward because too many people at AWC are winning just because of their tithe not because they're smart not because they know what to do with their money not because they know the right people but because they put their seed in the ground it opened up an opportunity for somebody to walk into their life you really mean to tell me that the best thing that has ever happened to this city you would forfeit it because of unforgiveness really really that's your excuse really and nine times out of ten, the people that you forgive are not the wiser. We'll go a whole year. Well, the only way I'm going to come back to this church is if I ask that person for forgiveness. So we're literally willing to leave Jesus at the altar at a wedding because we don't like who's sitting in the audience. Get cold feet. Get cold feet. Jesus is standing here waiting for you, waiting for you. He has your freedom. He has your understanding. He has your husband. Maybe one of the reasons why he won't show up is because you're not nice. Present yourself friendly to acquire friends. And we got Jesus standing at an altar, literally waiting to be married to you, allowing you to marry you to your freedom, marrying you from your freedom from addiction, marry you to all these things that you want in the kingdom, but one person is keeping you out of the presence of God. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. It gets so bad. You know what I'm talking about down south, right? You know what I'm talking about, Chad? You're like, you say, hey, we going over to Meemaw's house. Uh, we about to have white cake, catfish, uh, 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 black eyed peas, and all that other stuff. This is what we do in our culture. Oh, bet. Hey, is Stacy going to be over there? Is Uncle Marv going to be by them? Be by them means over at their house. Just follow me. But what time does dinner start for? Six o'clock. 
Bet. So granny going to start cooking around 2. How about you slide me a plate at 545 so I don't have to see the family? Not knowing that your nephew is struggling with pornography and you beat it and you won't even sit with him to tell with him this is how God delivered me because you can't sit in the room with your brother or your sister. What if reconciliation was the gift that we gave? Because reconciliation isn't the gift of forgiveness. Reconciliation is the gift of opportunity. It's the gift of opportunity. It's, it's, it's the gift of, man, it's awesome to sit in our house, Vanessa. It's cool. But I'd much rather, after every service, every Sunday, cook a meal that me and my family sit together at, where my dad is asleep on the couch, and my mom is playing with my sister's hair on the, over here, and Vanessa's washing dishes, and I'm falling asleep. And it becomes this thing like, God, the only reason why we got here is because me and dad had a conversation in January. Me and Vanessa had a conversation in March. Me and mom are continuing to have conversation. We had a conversation yesterday. But if you were living in your house, if you're living with your people and you were uncomfortable, what if today we just made the, the, the decision that I'm responsible for how people treat me? I, I, like, and when I say treat you, when you are bound, you are holding all the keys that you need. Can you bring me the, the ball really quick? I mean, the bag. Point number four, somebody say, restore the love that used to be. Thank you, sweetheart. John 21, 15 through 19. Is this good? Somebody needs to send right now. Zoom in. You haven't, you've been skittish about sending this link to somebody. You're watching it right now on YouTube. It's Monday. <laughs> like that's for the post to edit. Or you're watching it right now. It's Sunday. You need to send the link right now because what I'm about to message and share with you is going to set somebody free. When we release the debt, when we don't release the debt, this is what it looks like. All of these things that people have done to me, this is my life, and God wants to fill it with good things. He wants it to fill it with vacations, and he wants to fill it with, with cars and money and great gifts and time with your parents. And when your parents die on their deathbed or they die at home, they're actually like whole. Like, you know what, I can go with, be with the Lord. That was probably the most amazing thing. My, my mom's grandmother passed away, and she said, get all my kids in the room. And she waited two days, then told them, all right, I'm tired, and went home to be with the Lord because she had peace and there was reconciliation in the room. How many grandparents and parents are dying by themselves with unreconciliation in their heart? Really? Y'all don't love granny that much that you can say, granny, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You're going to allow her to feel disrespected as she goes to meet Jesus. What was the last thing that your daughter said to you? Well, she kind of yelled at me a little bit. What if we were to actually be reconciled? This is what it looks like. This is your life. And as people start to do things to me, I will go out of my way to pick up the things that they hurt me with. And this is what unforgiveness looks like. They said that about me. They didn't show up to my birthday party. They told me the truth. They weren't trying to be rude. They told me the truth, but they didn't tell me what I wanted to hear. They didn't support me. They did not support you. You just, it's not a good idea. You're not going to make any money. And then we start to collect all of these things of where people have hurt us. And we begin to walk around with these giant bags full of all of the debts that people owe us. And then what happens is you don't see me for my ability to preach the word. You start to see me for all of the people that I'm holding their freedom hostage. So I'm going to walk into Christmas like Santa Claus with a big giant bag of toys on my back. No, no, no. 
I'm going to walk into the Christmas, cross the threshold at the crib with a whole bunch of conversations that I've never had. And now I am the one who's holding the family hostage. Hey, Josh, how you doing? Oh, how am I doing? Well, remember, wait, which one is it? Because you've hurt me a lot. <clears throat> remember, uh, hold on, wait a minute. You remember last Christmas? Remember that? And your family doesn't remember. Because what happens is that when we do not forgive, we pause ourselves in that moment. And you, we do not, we forfeit ourselves the ability to live. And sometimes your family is looking at you like, dude, will you just forgive me? Golly, like, really? Like, I'm sorry. Well, you didn't say it in the right way. And we will walk around our entire lives with the debts of people. But what forgiveness looks like is, you know what? I'm tired of carrying this bag. You know what, Tina? I forgive you. And now what I have done is I've restored the love that used to be. When you do not forgive, the peace that you want in relationship is only going to be restored by the words that come out of your mouth. So if you hurt me or I hurt you, the freedom in the conversation is in my possession. Hey, you know what, Rebecca? I'll, I'll release you from the debt. I'm sorry. You know what, Andrea? I shouldn't have said that. And sometimes they drop it, which is okay. Sometimes they fumble it, which is okay. But somebody else comes, they grab it, and they help. Can you bring it to her? So she might not be able to receive the forgiveness from me, but if she has a relationship, that person could say, like, that's really not his heart. You don't have to go and talk to your mom by yourself. Hey, sis, like, dad, I really messed up with mom. I'm scared. Like, can you, not because she's scary, because it's scary. What, how, how, do, I, how do I do this? How do, how do I fashion the way? Matter of fact, can you, can you come with me? Can, can, you just, can you just sit there? And you don't have to do it alone. Yahida, I, I know what I did. I'm sorry. That's my bad. Amanda, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm like, I'm truly sorry. Sometimes it looks like this. I'm really not sorry. But I know that if I don't do this, I'm going to carry you my entire life. So, Carissa, I forgive you. But the relationship isn't going to go on. Vaughn, you messed up my hairline, bro, but hey, it's, it's good. Vaughn's a barber. Miss Millie. You missed my YMCA game when I was six. I'm 27. I'm 27. And I've been holding this for 21 years. We go to birthday parties and she brings peach cobbler. Don't nobody touch her peach cobbler. Just letting you know. And now I will literally not eat the peach cobbler because she made it. Really? You're going to get out on the best thing about Christmas because of a conversation you didn't have? So then what happens when you try to ask for forgiveness and there's a barrier. I can't use it as a weapon because the person's going to see me attacking them with something that God's supposed to be a gift. Sometimes I'm going to have to humble myself and meet them where they are. Come on, I need somebody to get free in the building. Sometimes I got to take the forgiveness to them. Hey, I, you don't got to say nothing to me. I love you. But if we start to give forgiveness, if we start to give forgiveness based off of how the person replies, 
your bag will never be empty. So a lot of you might be asking, Pastor Josh, what's this last one? Sometimes you got to forgive yourself. I have allowed for the past six years my unforgiveness to keep me from my nephew's birth. I wasn't there. I have allowed unforgiveness in my heart. I didn't go to the graduation. I have allowed the unforgiveness in my heart. I'm not going to Christmas next week. Somebody say restore the love. John 21, 15, 19, New Living Testament. After breakfast, Jesus has died. Died, been risen. He went to hell in the grave, got the keys, brought us back our dominion, preached to the people there. How long was he there? Seven days? Two weeks. Not, not sure. Jesus, like, literally was in hell ministering, meaning that sometimes when you have to forgive people, you can go to the places that are dark and yucky and gross and grab that person out of there. Because sometimes when you apologize and you forgive someone, you take that person out of hell. Because sometimes people know how much they wronged you. But they know that they cannot make it right until you agree that you want relationship. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. Isn't it interesting that he told Peter about what forgiveness was supposed to be at a table? And the place where he reinstates Peter is at a table? There are some really great conversations that can happen at dinner. Or at brunch. Or at lunch. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter. This is after he's seen all of the disciples. He showed them the scars in his hands and his feet. Simon, son of John, he says, do you love me more than these? Peter says, are you kidding me? I denied you three times in front of thousands of people, and I'm eating with you now. That's a stupid question. He, he didn't say that to the Lord God Almighty. I don't think anybody would. He said, yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Jesus says what? To feed my lambs. People think that the next time that he says this is like days later. I think it was like right afterwards. Hey, hey, Peter. Yes, Jesus. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Peter's like, all right, bet, second time. Third time. A third time he asked Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was what? Hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. What if we were to assume that the people that you hurt or the people that hurt you still love you. This is the close. What if we were to assume, this is the altar call. What if we were to assume in our hearts that as they were saying what they were saying, they actually still loved us? Because sometimes the words that come out of our mouth and the feeling that comes out of our heart are not the same. Listen to this. We can say a lot of things that are really mean. We can say things that are wrong, incorrect, hurtful, and evil. But sometimes those words aren't coming from anger, but they're coming from hurt. They're coming from failed expectations. They're coming from a confusion. They're coming from grief, which is a response to loss or missing out. Sometimes it comes from resentment. What if we were starting to reduce it to the ridiculous that when we say I'm sorry, it's not because the person is trying to get released from something, but they're trying to be reconnected back to us. There are some people that are watching right now. You're, you're, you're watching, and you haven't forgiven yourself for what happened. People in the church dogged you out because you had a baby out of wedlock, but that's the most amazing thing that ever happened to you. Have you ever forgiven yourself? 
So now you look at the child. You look at the child like it's a terrible thing. And we, we do a really terrible job about this in church. Yes, keep your, keep, keep, keep your virginity. Yes, keep yourself right. But God, the same God that has grace for you to do it correctly has grace for you when you do it wrong. Do you need to forgive your father for the things he never said? He never said, I love you. He never hugged you. That's, that doesn't omit the wrongdoing. But you not forgiving him has caused turmoil in your life. Is because of the relationship that you had with your mom, terrible young man, that you are now not allowing your children to see your mother? So now because of what you dealt with, I'm talking about it. Like, because of what you dealt with, you're not allowing your babies to go and see their granny? Come on, dog, really? How many of you have missed being in this building? Not because of COVID, but because you left. AWC needs you. And to be quite frank, you need us. Because we create a whole bride for God. Listen to this. The reason why Jesus was able to restore Peter back after he said what he said and he denied him is because he gave him just as many opportunities to get it right as he got it wrong. You remember, he denied Jesus how many times? But how many times did Jesus allow him to get it right? Three. Do you love me? Yeah, I do. Well, they said that you denied him. Do you love me? Yes, but Jesus, I denied you. Do you love me? Yes, I denied you. What if Jesus at the end of that conversation when he gave Peter his church was like, this was all according to plan? Because had you not walked in forgiveness, they wouldn't have crucified me and I wouldn't have been able to give my love to the world. What if Christmas right now, the best gift that you could give, if you took the Xbox back, if you took the PlayStation back, and as pastors say, don't go into debt over it. But what if you release the debt this year? Don't go into debt. That's a, that's a word from the Lord. Don't go into debt. How about we release it? How about if you're not going to go to the crib for Thanksgiving, make it because you can't make it, not because you don't want to go. Right here where you are, you're in the comforts of your own home. We're going to fill this room with music. I would love for you, because you know what it is. <laughs> we know what it is. They didn't say what they needed to say. They hurt you. There was abuse. It was physical. It was sexual. Like, it was molestation. Like, it was not even just physical molestation, but, like, of your mind. There were things planted in your mind or physically or spiritually. You were abused or, or somebody left you or you were abandoned. Like, God knows all of it. But what if we were to forgive? You know what? I know what happened to me was wrong and I can deal with that later. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't want to carry this anymore. So God, you know what? I forgive him. And I'm going to allow this thing to get as far away from me and I'm not going to go pick it back up. Come on, hands lifted all over the room. Hands lifted right there where you are. Let's go back to those three questions. This is it. What hurt you? What conversations do you need to have? And who or what event are you holding on to? Right now in the spirit realm, begin to have the conversation right there. Holy Spirit, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm tired of missing Christmas. I'm tired of missing birthdays. I'm tired of missing Thanksgiving. God, I want to walk into this new year and do it with the people that I actually love. Like, this is the ending of this sermon series. Like, what if this entire sermon series was setting you up for this sermon? Like, what if the last eight weeks, seven weeks, was setting you up for this moment where you could reconcile and go back to your people? Like, come on, begin to pray fervently. God, 
I can't stand my sister. God, I can't. He touched me in the wrong way, physically, mentally, spiritually. But God, I know I'm not, I, I, I can't make what happened not happen. I acknowledge that, but I don't have to feel this way. I don't have to be, a, I don't have to be bound in my own head, in my own heart, in my own soul. God, like I don't want any more awkward times at the table, God. Come on, begin to release the debt. Because you don't have to do it with the person in the room. Release the debt. Say their name. Come on. Release the debt. God, I forgive him. I forgive her. I forgive him. I forgive him. Come on. Let's practice it. Let's practice it. I forgive him. Come on. Somebody write it in the chat. I forgive him. Come on. I forgive him. I release the debt. I release the debt. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive them. Some of us need to release the debt that we had on ourselves. God, I walked away from you this year. God, forgive me. Release me of the debt of how I've hurt you. God, some of you need to look at those little round faces that you call children. You need to hold them and say, Daddy missed it. Daddy missed it. Mommy missed it. I know I messed up. I know I missed the mark. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? And you will teach them how to walk in freedom in their life. Right there where you are. Come on, bring the music up. Right there where you are. Come on. Come on, God, help me out here. Help me out here, God, help me out. I forgive them, I forgive myself. God, give me courage and boldness to have the hard conversation. Hallelujah. What if the freedom for your family was the gift of reconciliation and forgiveness? What if the freedom that your family has been looking for started with at this Christmas? Hey, you know what? Let's do something a little bit different. Do y'all trust me? No, we don't trust you. Well, can you trust me? Let's talk about what happened. Well, we never talk about it. I know, but you can't think that this is okay. This is what I'm going to pray for. That God will give us boldness so that when the 25th comes or however you do it with your family, if it's Christmas Eve, that the presence of God is already living in that moment. We understand in the kingdom that when we call something on earth, it's not if it God if it if it's it's not if God desires it. If you desire it and you're in righteousness and in right standing, God backs it up every time. So what you can literally do is let's pray for Christmas right now. And this is gonna go on the live. So like you can, if you don't have the words to say, you can come back to the marker on YouTube and you can pray this prayer. I want you to pray this prayer every day until you get into the kitchen with your people. Can we do it? Every hand lifted. I believe that people are gonna walk into freedom after today, amen? People are gonna walk into freedom. People are gonna walk into freedom right now begin to open up your mouth and talk about Christmas God that day is already sanctified that day I release my angels into that day God I release my winning angels into that day God speak to my father speak to his heart God speak to my mother speak to her heart God break up the fallow ground my, my, my husband my son my sisters even in prison but in Romans you said that the Holy Spirit doesn't even know time or distance or space so you can meet them in the jail cell you can meet them in the place where the people are calling them crazy you can meet them in the whorehouse. You can meet them on the street. God, I release my angels. Come on, right there where you are. God, forgive us. Give me the spirit of forgiveness. Give me the spirit of reconciliation. God, take away the spirit of being timid. God, take away my spirit of being scared. God, I want to live in freedom. I want to love my sister better. I want to love my husband better. I want to love my brother better. Come on. Come on, get free. Right there where you are, open up your mouth. I believe that right now through the power of the Holy Spirit, that conversation is actually happening right now at the breakfast table. 
I believe that my faith and our faith is connecting with you right now at lunchtime with your family. You're looking at your boss in the face and you're beginning to release the debt. You're looking at your parents and beginning to release the debt. Your parents did the best they could. They didn't know any better. Release the debt. I know you didn't know any better. I'm, I, I know you didn't do any better, but I'm doing good. Come on, release the debt. You might have people in your family that are six feet under. Release the debt. I know we didn't get a chance to get it right, Dad, but I, I love you and I release the debt. Come on, come on. This is the most selfish, this is the scariest, the most bloody thing you're gonna do this year. Come on, right there where you are. God, I don't wanna do life without my people, so make it easier for me to forgive them. Release the debt. Assume that they didn't mean to hurt you. Assume that they love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your husband didn't mean to hurt you. He did, but it wasn't his heart's posture. He wasn't trying to be malicious. Release him from the dead. Yes, Holy Spirit. Release yourself from the dead. The sin that happened 20 years ago. Your real testimony. The one that you don't tell people that you're ashamed to tell. <laughs> that one. Release yourself from the dead. You were addicted to cocaine. You were addicted to marijuana. I used to be an alcoholic. Have you forgiven yourself? I forgive myself. I'm sorry, Joshua. When you were seven and that thing happened to you, you didn't know any better. I forgive you, young man. You don't have to live in bondage. Forget, I, I forgive you. You had no idea the person that did it to you. I forgive you. I release you of the debt. I'm not going to allow what happened to me in the closet. I'm not going to allow what happened to me in the, in the, in the locker room or on the basketball court or in church or whatever. I'm not going to allow that to take control of me. So I release the debt. I want my bag to be empty so, God, you can fill it with what you want there. Come on, somebody in the chat, text, I'm free. Somebody in the room, shout, I'm free. Come on. Come on, I'm free. I am free and I'm forgiven. Come on, every hand lifted. All of you that are online, lift your hands right there where you are, unless you're driving or unless you're operating machinery or you're a chef. Let's pray this prayer. God, today, I release myself from the debt that I put on my own life. Holy Spirit, be the paraclete. Walk beside me and guide me through the hard conversations. God, I release a blessing over my family, over my kids, over my mother, over my father, over my boss. You fill in the blank. Well, over whoever that person is. God, that the conversation is going to happen this week. And I pray for reconciliation. Right there where you are, open your mouth. There's going to be reconciliation. I need this relationship. I can't stay mad all the time. God, I need this person in my life. God, break up the fallow ground. Cause, cause there to be things like in Galatians, that there will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. In Jesus' name. Now, lastly, this is what I need you to do. I need you to lift up your voice and praise God for their freedom and claim the victory. Right here. Come on. It's going to be a great Christmas. Come on. You've got a shout out for